0: Welcome to A Correction Podcast. I'm your host, Lev Moscow, and today we are really excited to be joined by Rosa Vassalaki, who is an Athens-based sociologist and historian. Welcome to the show, Rosa.
1: Thank you very much for the invitation, Lev. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you today.
0: Me too. So I want to talk about about immigration and and Greece. I want to start with an article from um, Sidecar from the New Left Review and it's entitled "Fortress Greece," and you published it in in July. And uh, I'll start. I'll start by reading the first sentence of the article you you write. On the seventh of June, the Greek Minister of Migration proudly declared that the right wing New Democracy government had fulfilled one of its flagship pledges from the two thousand nineteen election campaign, reducing refugee arrivals by ninety percent. So I want to talk to you about how the New Democracy movement did that, or the New Democracy Party did that. But before we get into that, talk to me a little bit about what the New Democracy Party is, who makes up its base, what kind of governing party are they?
1: Yes, uh, the New Democracy, uh, the New Democracy Party in Greece is the main center right. Conservative party in Greece. Its uh, its base varies, so it's mostly conservative-leaning citizens. But lately, especially since the since the economic crisis in Greece, so since let's say two thousand and eleven the political landscape in greece has undergone significant changes so the typical sometimes borderlines between the left and the right collapsed we had a very important uh, a very important presence by far right uh, by far right organizations and parties in greece most notably the golden dawn nazi party in greece uh, which had relations uh, with the new democracy uh, party during the uh, during the crisis years in 2000 in in 2015, uh, the uh, Syriza far-left party uh, became uh, was prominent in the elections, so they, uh, they won the elections, they were the government, and a significant shift was noted towards centre-left rather than radical left. Policies and lots of people who got disappointed, disengaged uh, essentially with uh, with uh, radical politics in Greece. So the electoral base shifted a lot. Also because the New Democracy Party, which in the past right wing parties were associated with, uh, let's say deep state practices in Greece also because, uh, also because of the very turbulent past uh, the very turbulent historical past in Greece. Greece underwent three dictatorships in the 20th century a very vicious civil war, persecution of the left between the 50s up until the 70s a very, let's say, Latin style, Latin American style dictatorship from 1967 to So the right wing was, um, was historically associated with anti democratic practices, nonetheless, since the 1980s, things changed dramatically in Greece, and even more and more recently, the New Democracy Party with its new leader, uh, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, tried to, and successfully put forward a more, let's say, Liberal profile, a more democratic profile, an idea of like, let's move on into making the country having a more European profile. Nonetheless, it was marked by a very strong presence of neoliberal, neoliberal ideas and neoliberal policies with regards to the welfare state in Greece. Uh, but also uh, it contains a component of hardliners, a very prominent in, let's say, the Ministry of Education, for instance, the Minister, the Ministry of Health. So hardliners who are associated with uh, some of the darkest practices of the army or the police or the the church in Greece. It's important also to note that Greece is a country where there is no official separation between the church and the state. Uh, Therefore, the church intervenes in a large number of issues also with regards to foreign policies and the the international affairs. So there is is an important core of... uh, Far right ideas within the current center right, uh, center right, uh, uh, new democracy government under the leadership of Kyriakos Mitsotakis. Because, as we know, in every political party there are several trends. They are like, I would say, vessels of several similar trends, nonetheless distinct.
0: So, I want to go back to something you said. You said earlier on in the in the last decade, the Golden Dawn party, which was a you called it a, a Nazi party or neo Nazi party they had some relationship with the New Democracy Party. What was that relationship? And and now that the Golden Dawn has been outlawed or banned, what happened to those voters? Did they simply move into the New Democracy camp? Uh,
1: Well, the relationship was established through uh, relations that were recorded between high-level officials, uh, and those voters have moved to a certain, some of these voters, an important amount of those voters moved to New Democracy because New Democracy has embraced some of the flagship figures of the of various far-right organizations such as the very Vice President of New Democracy and also Minister for, for Development and Industry in the country, the Minister of Health, but also the Minister of, of the Interior, who were all uh, very important figures of far-right organizations in the past twenty years in Greece, so some of these voters moved towards the uh, towards uh, towards the towards new democracy. Some other voters were incorporated within other far right parties, which have a more let's say a more social rather than political profile. In the sense that they incorporate far right ideas together with conspiracy theories together with cultural issues. Such a party exists right now in the Greek Parliament. It's around. I think they've got ten MPs out. Of the three hundred, so some of these mo- voters moved there, and some of the voters turned to New Democracy.
0: Let me try to understand from an outsider's perspective of what things look like, and you, I want you to tell me where I'm, where I'm wrong, or what what's behind the confusion. So, we see from America, we see the rise of the Syriza party, which is, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this too. Seems like one of the most left wing parties ever elected in in Western Europe. So our, our sense here is okay, the Greek, or the Greeks themselves are pretty left-wing. And then we also see there's some elements of the far right. And now you get this new democracy government, which seems so how do we understand what's happened, why you have these big swings, what seem to be big swings from the far left to the far right in Greece?
1: Thank you, Lev. That's a great question. I think that the past 10 years have been a watershed moment for Greek politics because the post-dictatorship state which was established in Greece since 1974 had very clear demarcation lines between, let's say, the Socialist Party which governed Greece for many, many years and was associated with let's say the democratization of the country and prosperity um, joining the European Union and so on and so forth and the typical right-wing party as New Democracy. All this collapsed in 2011 after the very serious period of the economic crisis which actually brought to the for Syriza, from being a very small, uh, a very small far left party, around three uh, percent, because the main, uh, the main bulk of voters up until, let's say, two thousand twelve, were associated with the communist party in Greece. Uh, so many of the voters uh, from the socialist party, but also from the communist party, turned to Syriza throughout the crisis year. So uh, Syriza represented at the time uh, the possibility of actually taking the country's future for people in their own hands. Let's do not forget that Greece underwent three memoranda, so three agreements uh, with the country's creditors, which actually didn't leave much of a leeway to any government, to any government, let's say, to to... Put forward uh, the country's uh, the country's welfare, the country's well-being. So, what was the most important thing is to pay back to pay back the creditors, and therefore we had um, to a certain extent a societal collapse. Greece lost around thirty-five percent of its GDP in. In, within two years, we had around 26,000 demonstrations between 2011 and 2014, so the country was in a very severe turmoil and many people were radicalized at that moment. Not necessarily politically, in the sense of being very clearly convinced by uh, left ideology, let's say, but because they saw in Syria a hope to deal with the country's economic collapse. Uh, on the other hand, in moments of in moments of severe crisis, when the welfare state abandons people, very often um, this is an o- this is an o- it gives an opportunity. There is an opportunity for other ideas, such as. Uh, such as far right ideas to come uh, to come to the fore. Uh, the neo-Nazi Golden Dawn party came forward in 2011. They were an extremely fringe party. I think they had, in the, I, I think their share of voters 0.8 percent up until that moment. Suddenly they gained around 7 percent and a much more close to 20 percent of the vote in local elections in certain uh, urban areas at the time when the state was collapsing. The Golden Dawn was organizing uh, blood nations for Greeks or food banks for Greeks. Uh, they had a very strong security agenda, which they had put forward a very strong anti-migration discourse. And we know that in moments of crisis, it's very it's very common for 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 the right wing and the far and the far right to create scapegoats for to explain the malaise within uh, within society. So we had these two trends, which were present despite the fact of Syriza being the dominant. Trend, in 2011, 2012, culminating in 2015 when they won the elections twice, nonetheless, the far right was winning the hearts and minds in terms, not necessarily politically, it was not necessarily translating in terms of votes, but in terms of mentalities. And when Syriza was elected, which was indeed at the time the most radical left party in government uh, across Europe, very quickly within a year, ten towards a more center-left profile to keep those voters, because the voters were not necessarily, as I said earlier, convinced by far-left ideology, but they saw a an opportunity against the, the economic devastation of society. When Syriza for many people, betrayed their mandate because they accepted further, very severe economic control of the country, but also they have not pushed the necessary reforms that many people believed in, reforms in education, reforms in terms of secularization, reforms in terms of the judiciary, and so on and so forth. Many people got disappointed that this is the moment when Uh, New democracy emerged uh, with a new profile, a liberal profile, to say we are here to materialize not necessarily those promises, but the promises of prosperity uh, and the promises against uh, against corruption. Greece uh, um, is a society that suffers from corruption, elitism, very few opportunities, very few job opportunities. Um, And therefore, New Democracy presented that profile of meritocracy and won the hearts of minds of of many many Greeks. But these two trends, the far left and the far right, did exist since 2011
0: in Greece. I see. And so would it be correct to say that this New Democracy Party, I mean, I I, I was thinking of it as a, you say it's center-right, and the reason I'm thinking of it as, it's an interesting party from my perspective because it's it's both liberal, but also they seem to have adopted the, the at least the migration policies of and the, and the attitudes of the far right of the Golden Dawn. Is that correct?
1: It is correct, because the equivalent of liberal in Greece, I think, is very different. The political spectrum, as you know, is very different in, in Europe in comparison to the U.S. Uh, and what we call liberal in the European political spectrum is the equivalent of what we would call center right. Uh, so it is neoliberal, I would say, that the democracy is neoliberal in terms of economic orientation and conservative Uh, With regards to a number of issues, although they have tried recently to be more open to identity politics, especially those related to gender.
0: Interesting. So it wouldn't be correct to say that this new democracy looks like like Orban's party in Hungary.
1: To a certain extent, it does. As it has been revealed, its development in the three past years is resembling more and more. I'm not saying that this has been from the beginning, but the practices they have adopted in the past three years resembles more and more, especially in terms of migration, Urban's government. Yes, that is
0: correct. Very interesting. So I want to talk a bit about this, this article you wrote, Fortress Greece, for the New Left Review. And we're going to go back to that first that first. Uh, line where you say that this government has reduced refugee arrivals by 90%. How did they do that?
1: Well, this happened because of the illegal international law practice of pushbacks. That pushbacks is that practice which actually does not allow people to approach Greece. So, refugees who mainly come to Greece via sea routes uh, and sometimes via um, the Everest border, so the river that actually um, separates Greece from Turkey in northern Greece, uh, are, are pushed back uh, before they reach the shore. So this is an illegal practice and very often puts in danger uh, the, the refugees lives are in danger because of those illegal practices. So people are prevented from actually reaching the Greek, the Greek shores.
0: So just to be clear, the law says that if you are coming to seek refuge, if you are an asylum seeker, you have the right to enter the country. Say you're coming from Turkey to Greece. And then apply for asylum. But Greece is not even allowing people to to do that?
1: Yes, that is correct. And it has been happening systematically since 2020.
0: Okay. And so that is is illegal under international law. Um, What's the EU doing about it?
1: The EU is not doing that much about it in terms in terms of practices in terms of in terms of discourse after several allegations of those practices, some of them published by the New York Times exactly two years ago, August 2020, were denied by the Greek government. The EU tends to turn a blind eye to those practices. Frontex, the European Union's uh, border agency, is implicated in those illegal practices, and that culminated to uh, to the event of its um, director uh, of its director resigning earlier this year, in 2022, among allegations of um, pushback's illegal practices to which either Frontex participated or had tolerated when they were executed by, by Greek authorities. So even though the EU has four, was four Forced to a certain extent to make statements against those practices when the allegations were confirmed by by the Human Rights Watch and earlier the UN rapporteur on earlier this year in this summer the EU, uh, the UN rapporteur uh, confirmed those allegations. The EU condemned those practices in a very abstract way, but very little was done so far. Uh, and it seems that it's part and parcel of a general of a general practice which actually aims to see. Europe from uh, from refugee and migrant arrivals from the region.
0: Okay, so they've come out against the practice, but in reality, they've done nothing. And, and your sense is that, in fact, this this is the policy that the EU wants.
1: Yes, this is uh, this is the impression we get because Greece has been funded to extend its border fence at Evros. Everest is the border between Greece and Turkey, and it has been supported to prevent arrivals in that sense. Let's do not forget that the EU signed with Turkey an agreement in March 2016, and Turkey was given financial aid in order to keep refugees and asylum seekers uh, in their own own country, in in Turkey. So it was considered as a safe country. So... The EU is also participating in keeping refugees away and, uh, and in keeping Europe as a fortress.
0: That's really interesting. So the idea was that people, asylum seekers would have to stay in Turkey and then apply for asylum from Turkey rather than being allowed to enter the EU as they would have been allowed to in the past.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Wow. And so, you know, I know the United States is doing a bit of this as well And asylum seekers are, are actually being forced to remain in, in Mexico, for example. And I think Australia is doing something like this as well. So if you've got the EU, the United States and let's say Australia, and I'm not sure how many other countries are doing this, um, but international law says it's illegal. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but then sort of what's the, the so what? Like, what can we do about it if you have these major powers breaking the law?
1: I don't know if there is a, a lot we can do other than organizing ourselves and being vocal about what 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 these violations of human rights entail. Uh, we are very indeed. Uh, there is not much we can do in the sense of like being. Offering solidarity to those migrants and to those refugees who are who are in the country, but I think being vocal and actually publicizing the issue is extremely important because systematically governments are trying to are trying to conceal uh, to conceal those aspects of their policies. For instance, the Greek government has been systematically for three years refusing that Greece is implicated into pushbacks, nonetheless making the issue visible. I think makes a change, bringing making governments accountable, uh, and bring the issue to the public sphere.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to I want to talk a bit about the the role of the media in Greece. It seems like so you said the New York Times had a big uh, expose on this, and um, it brought some it shed some light or brought some attention to the issue. I'm wondering what role the Greek media plays in in either silencing what's happening or in shedding light. And I'm also wondering what role I imagine the the church could play a really powerful role if they wanted to in teaching people about what's happening and, and doing it, you know, obviously from a moral perspective. So what role is the church playing in resisting these policies or in facilitating them?
1: Well, the church in Greece plays a very um, unusual role in the sense that Greece is a very homogeneous country which received the first migrants, let's say mass migration in the 90s after the collapse of the Eastern Bloc. So in that sense, it was a very, Greece used to be a very monocultural, monoreligious country. And as I said, there is no separation between the church and the state in Greece, which makes the church very vocal around those issues, but also because of Greece's recent Recent. Not that recent, but in historical terms, quite recent past Greece broke as a free country from the Ottoman Empire, which was contemporary Turkey. So there is a very big nationalist rivalry between uh, Islam and Orthodox Christianity in Greece therefore Islam has been traditionally portrayed as an enemy to civilization as an enemy to Greek civilization as an enemy to the country so the country so the church in Greece has a very inimical stance towards uh, towards migrants and refugees uh, originating in um, Muslim Muslim majority countries so that complicates this complicates the issue a great deal. Uh, the, the church in Greece sees itself as the guardian of, uh, of national identity in ways that it doesn't happen in other European countries, and therefore they are being uh, very vocal and very inimical uh, towards um, towards Muslim residents or those Muslims who seek um, who seek um, either asylum or a better life in Greece. Uh, and that has complicated the issue even more because some of um, the church's leaders have been have maintained very close relationship with the Golden Dawn and other far right um, organizations and movements in Greece. Therefore, although a part of the church, a small part of the church, uh, contributed towards uh, helping in the years of uh, the refugee crisis between 2015-2016, the majority of the church's leaders are, very, uh, are still inimical towards, uh, towards the refugees on the grounds of uh, religious difference.
0: And, and, the, and the press...
1: And the press, the press is also a very interesting question. The press in Greece, uh, it is, it, as it has been uh, revealed this year, Greece figures among the lowest uh, positions in press freedom in the European Union actually dropped significantly significantly since the new democracy government is in power. We see a very interesting effect in Greece, which I'm not sure if we can see it also in other countries. Traditional media is very much controlled by the government. They've been funded by the government, and during the COVID years, they have received uh, they have received a lot of um, a lot of funding to publicize the campaigns, which was not very clearly explained why this would happen. And uh, as a result, especially uh, especially the mainstream newspapers, but also, I would say, all. Not even there is not even one. Well, there is one exception. With one exception, um, TV news outlets are are government friendly, if not controlled by the government. That means that all those um, all those issues that have emerged in recent years, for instance, issues around the migration crisis, or more recently, in Friday. Two of the senior officials from the government resigned within hours from each other. The uh, general secretary of the prime minister's office and the chief of intelligence services uh, over well allegations at the beginning. Now they have been proven of hacked phones of political opponents and journalists. And that has also been suffocated by the Greek media. It's not a wrap by the traditional media. So alternative information. And if one is interesting to know what's really going on is happening. Within the sphere of the social media right now, an alternative, um, an alternative media rather than mainstream media, we've got a very. If one if one looks at the reality, the political reality described by traditional media, and that described through newer forms of media such as social media, one gets an almost uh, opposed, or almost very radically different impression. So traditional media has been controlled by the government has been paid by the government and that has created a very a very strong institutional crisis in Greece people who have spoken out around around several issues have been vilified by news outlets outlets uh, associated uh, to the government, especially, uh, especially journalists who have spoken up against the migration issues. And with relation to the uh, relegation to those allegations of hacked phones, the whole story started by a journalist phone being hacked by uh, the predator uh, malicious spyware, because he spoke uh, against uh, the government and he was investigating uh, financial
0: wrongdoings. And, and finally, finally, within the Parliament itself, I imagine Syriza still exists and and the Communists and the socialists. So and I know that the old previous finance minister um, helped start a, a pro-democracy party. I think it's called uh, DM25, if I'm not mistaken. How are these parties on the left responding to the, these, these illegal pushbacks by the government?
1: They're not, it is an issue that has not been uh, part of the, let's say, of um, of current affairs, of political realities and political discussions. DM 25 indeed, headed by Yanis Varoufakis, who was the uh, uh, the Minister of Finance during the first series of government, so up until um, July 2000, 2015 does indeed raise the issue, but this is a French small political party. Um, the Communist Party has not been particularly vocal in the sense that the Communist Party has a very specific agenda uh, in, in Greek politics. So all other issues are uh, are supposed to, uh, to be materialized uh, once radical social change happens. So it doesn't figure very, very at the top of the agenda. And Syriza has been quite silent with regards to those issues into when when uh, in two, in 20 in 2020 in March 2020 uh president erdogan uh allowed refugees to cross the border, so those refugees were stacked between Greece and Turkey and at that moment we had a very malicious rhetoric of describing those people as an asymmetrical threat, so seeing refugees not as people suffering, people in dire need by seeing them as, as, uh, as enemies of the state, essentially as a threat, uh, and Syriza unfortunately adopted that rhetoric, I don't mean to say that Syriza has a similar, a similar, po- similar policies or similar rhetoric with new democracy, nonetheless, uh, in the past... in the past couple of years, because Syriza is trying to occupy the center, to move towards the center left, and because the the public's mood in Greece has shifted dramatically over the past five years against refugees, uh, Syriza is not raising the issue. I'm not saying that they are against, uh, vocally against migrants or refugees, but they do not raise the issue, except very occasionally and sometimes, some of the MPs or some politicians within Syria, but Syria as an official line is not necessarily and is not mainly preoccupied by, by the migration and refugee issue.
0: Well, yeah, I want to ask you about that that last point. You you say that there's been a dramatic shift in public opinion in the last five years. You know, my sense of, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, of the Greeks' response to the crises that were happening, for example, in in Syria, was to really welcome lots of refugees, taking in refugees, helping people who are um, stuck on islands in Greece. And, you know, from a distance, again, it seems like the Greeks were being really welcoming as parts of Europe was, as other parts of Europe were not. And then there's this radical shift. So how, uh, broadly speaking, how does the society go from one extreme to the other and how did it happen in Greece so quickly?
1: Well, the truth is that Greeks did embrace the refugees, and there was a very strong solidarity movement from international organizations to anarchist groups, far-left groups, ordinary citizens, ordinary people helping the refugees for a year or so. I think the main shift was first the fact that refugees were transiting the country at the time, so they were passing through Greece rather than staying here. And I think that makes a huge difference in the sense of, like, let's help people who transit our country there all while they're on their way to europe once the border closed after the greek turkey after the eu turkey agreement i mentioned before in 2016 uh policies has changed so people especially on the islands the five islands close to turkey across turkey realized that refugees were there to stay and i think that one of the reasons was that Local economies were very worried about the projection of their image being, you know, their economy being very much based on tourism. The other thing is that the whole government and EU rhetoric shifted. Up until that point, it was all about helping refugees. Once the deal was struck between EU and Turkey, uh the approach to the uh the approach to the issue was very different. I was very mocked by I was impressed by the fact that news outlets started to describe Dropped the expression refugee, and the dominant expression in news outlets became illegal migrant, for instance. That was a main rhetorical shift that actually uh, played a huge role in, in, representing, uh, in representing people in need in a very, in a very negative perspective. The third thing is that the far right was working all this time while refugees were coming to Greece. Uh, those, once people felt uh, betrayed by Syriza as well, they turned towards more conservative ideas. Uh, and one of those conservative, extremely conservative ideas was an inimical stance towards refugee and migrants. There was also a systematic, a systematic campaign through uh, the media in describing refugees as uh, a threat to um, the cultural integrity of the of the country very uh, a threat to the economy of the country and they became gradually a scapegoat for the problems for the pathologies within within the Greek economy and the Greek state